Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. As we are awaiting your phone calls and text messages, your lawn and garden questions for Julie Weisenhorn and John Trappy. Now, official lawn and garden. We always do that, so it's nothing new. I've been gone. You've been gone. Yeah. But Here we are. Together again. Back in action. Yeah, it's good to see you, Julie. It's good to see you, John. Thanks, you thanks, uh, yeah, thanks for both for of you me. for coming in. Uh, again, we have uh, a lot of brain power in this studio. I'm not including myself, but if you have any kind of lawn or garden question, by all means, uh, call uh, Julie and John for your specific. Can uh, you know not the turf guru? John is a turf expert. Can we give him a little expert. more dignity? Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll turf come expert. up with some nickname for him. Very good. We'll do that. <laughs> and Julie Weisenhorn, they're both from the University of Minnesota Extension and helping you out uh, like they do quite often. We really appreciate that, and I know you do as well. So if you have a lawn or garden question, uh, send it in by text or the phone. Same number for both, 651-989-9226. Or send a text, 81807. Guys, before we uh, get underway, we're both looking out uh, the window, and it's kind of green <laughs> yeah, yeah. out there. It looks but dark. I want to mention a special weather statement from the National Weather Service Office here in the Twin Cities. An area of strong thunderstorms will affect Hennepin and central Carver counties. Uh, a, little, a few minutes ago, strong thunderstorms clustered over St. Bonifacius or 22 miles south of Buffalo, moving northeast 35 miles an hour, winds in excess of 40 miles an hour, pea-sized hail are possible with this storm. And also frequent uh, cloud-to-ground lightning occurring with this storm. I remember reading something recently, too, as far as lightning goes. You guys probably knew this, but uh, cloud-to-ground lightning is occurring with this storm. Now, lightning can strike 10 miles away from the thunderstorm. Wow. So be, be thoughtful. Be careful. It's right over and, my house. <laughs> and you stay tuned to CCO. We'll keep you apprised of the this weather situation. But it is rather dark, at least in downtown Minneapolis. Um, John and Julie, my lawn has been really good looking lately. Maybe everybody says we've had some. We've some had quite a bit of rain. rain. Timely rain. <clears throat> but what yeah. I've done is, uh, and John has mentioned this, and you have too, Julie, is I no longer, at least because uh, I cut it more often, is pick up, bag it. Put it right back in the lawn. It looks great. It didn't know why does it look so good? What kind of nutrients are we talking about here since we do have fertilization uh, in the lawn? Yeah, so uh, we always recommend to return the clippings unless it's in the fall where you're trying to pick up the leaves from uh, oh, sure. tree litter. Yeah. Uh, but, but generally speaking, you want to always uh, return the clippings or mulch them in because as you do that throughout the year, that would equal... Uh, the equivalent of about one fertilization event of the year. So about half or one-third of the amount of nitrogen that the plants need, uh, you're returning back to the lawn. So, And that's a, a continuous source of, yeah. of nutrients for the, for the grass and, and uh, soil organisms. Plus you're saving money. Absolutely. Yeah, Realizer. and yeah. work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and, John, you have a great article in the Yard and Garden News blog on yep. our extension.umn.edu website. 
I just read it this morning, by the way. It's really good. <laughs> Excellent. We'll, good plug. I was having cereal. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll mention that uh, before the uh, hour is up, too. As you can see, we have textures, we have callers. Let's get uh, to them. Let's see who's been waiting. Uh, Gary is calling in from St. Louis Park. Gary, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Denny, Julie, and welcome back, Denny. Nice to have you back on the air. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to be here. See, I, I have a, a nice row of hostas in the front of my home facing west, and every year, and they're doing it right now, they're growing these large, what I call tentacles. <laughs> Can I cut those off, or should I just leave them run their course? Well, are they the flower buds? I believe so, yeah. Okay. Well, most people like to grow the hostas and like to have them flower as well. So um, I guess I would I leave mine on and let them flower. They're beautiful flowers. They're in the lily family. Um, but if you don't care for them, I guess you can just cut them off. All right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Gary. Appreciate the call. And uh, I think we have another lawn question from Tom, who's calling from Little Falls, I believe. Tom, good morning. Good morning to you, too. I got a question on the lawn. I got those uh, dead spots coming up in spots. Uh, is it too late to do anything with them now? Uh, dead spots? Are, you don't by any chance happen to have a, a dog, do you? No, it's like those supposed to be from moths or grubs. Um, yeah, it, it could potentially be from grubs, but normally that's more of like a diffuse pattern throughout the lawn. It's not normally just very concentrated spots. Uh, that that actually sounds more like a, a certain disease. Could be like a summer patch. Um, but regardless, I would uh, just uh, wait until the fall. See, maybe it's going to recover once we once the temperatures start cooling down, uh, and then just wait until the fall. If it, if it did die, you can just overseed in that area, scratch it up, make sure the seed gets down to the soil, and uh, those should be able to recover just fine. There's nothing to that that uh, those white moss on the grass on the grass. Oh, moss. Well, typically that's going to be from uh, really heavy shade environments, so a, a lot of shade. But uh, there's there are some things you can do about that. But um, but generally speaking, just uh, thinning out the uh, thinning out the trees, or um, there are some chemical options available. But uh, but generally speaking, we recommend just to try to reduce the shade first. Julie and John in studio answering your questions uh, this morning on our Smart Garden Show. Uh, we'll get to some text messages, but Todd is calling in from Ramsey. Todd, what's your question, please? Good morning. Two quick questions. First, I'm getting that uh, it's been a bumper crop for tomatoes so far, at least where they're right. going on the vines. But I'm getting the die-off at the very bottom, the leaves turning brown and brittle. Is that is that what, – what can I do? Am I doing something wrong? And, and the second quick question, I also had a beautiful – uh, showing of false indigo plants this year, but now as they as the flowering has ended and they're they're kind of collapsing, which seems sure. to normally happen, is it okay to cut them back without harming next year's growth? So that's the uh, baptisia or the false indigo. Uh, it has a tendency to do that when the soil is very uh, a little bit richer than it might be, and we've had so much rain that that plant is just it kind of tends to flop. And uh, the best thing to do is actually to tie it up. Uh, you don't want to really cut it down because those leaves that are on there right now and the stems are actually photosynthesizing. They're creating energy for next year's flowering. And so what I would recommend is get a couple of stakes, put a few around it, and then just put up some twine uh, just to tie those up, kind of kind of group it together and uh, and just leave it up like that. And then in the fall, you want to cut those down, maybe about down to about um, – Oh, it could be as low as five inches, six inches, because those 
uh, stems are used or could be used by stem nesting bees also because they're hollow. So you want to leave those up for uh, for our overwintering. Okay. Texter says, I have clover. Oh, he has questions about tomatoes too. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> he had a question about the tomatoes. So, yeah, now we're starting to see uh, at the base of tomatoes, you might start to see some yellowing, some spotting of leaves. And uh, we have a couple of different uh, diseases that happen. Uh, some uh, pathogens are in the soil. And some of the tomatoes are susceptible to those. And you'll see those. there. It might be a septoria leaf spot. could be also uh, some kind of a blight, either early or late blight. And so uh, what you want to do is you can remove those uh, leaves right now. But also be careful that you're watering your tomatoes at the base of the plant and not overhead watering. Once you do see that yellowing and that spotting, there's nothing you can really do about it. You can't spray anything. Uh, All you can do is remove those leaves when they drop. And then you'll want to rotate your crops next year. So you'll want to grow those tomatoes in a different part of the garden where you haven't been growing any of the nightshade family. Uh, Or you want to, if you're growing them in containers right now, then you'll want to really wash your containers with a a 10% bleach solution, uh, bleach and water, and uh, make sure that you get a nice clean container and change the soil. All right. I tell you, there's a, uh, some text. We can combine a couple of texts here. Uh, I have clover and creeping Charlie getting into the lawn. Can I do a weed and feed now? That's one question. What do you think, John? Okay, I would generally always avoid weed and feed products unless you're they're really dispersed, and generally they don't work that well anyways. So mm. um, I would consider a spot application if uh, for the creeping Charlie and the clover. Uh, triclopyr is the name of the active ingredient of a herbicide. It's T-R-I-C-L-O-P-Y-R, triclopyr, is really the only active ingredient that would work on the Creeping Charlie. Uh, And then that would also work on the clover if you wanted to try to control that as well. How many times per year, Texter says, should I fertilize my yard and what do you recommend for each time? Uh, I think it uh, it really just depends on how how you use the lawn, but we recommend uh, around uh, two to three fertilizations a year. And I would... Focus those mainly in the fall, beginning in uh, mid to late August and ending sometime before October 1st. Uh, you could also use a spring, a one, one of those two or three apps in the spring, and uh, split that out. And that would probably uh, be fertilized uh, sometime in uh, late April, early May. We have some great publications on our website on how and when to fertilize your lawn, uh, extension.umn.edu. Uh, that would be uh, that would answer going into more depth for that. Yeah, we'll give you that website again, as we always like to do. A great resource. Uh, folks on the line, stay there. We're going to take a quick break. We have uh, more show to come here on our Smart Garden Show. Julie and John will be helping you out the rest of the way. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Same number for the uh, text messages as well. Um, Okay, John and Julie, we have callers. Let's see if we can't. uh, Some folks have been waiting quite a while. Uh, Let's talk to Cheryl, who's calling from Burnsville. Then we want to follow up on the tomato. Yes, uh, and the and the moths and the moths. Moths and the grass. Go ahead, Cheryl. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Enjoy your show very, very much. Thank you very much. I wish it were on longer. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I have a question for you. My neighbor is uh, exchanging his fence and changing it down, taking it down and replacing it. And um, I have some boxwood that are real close to it. And I thought, while it's down, is it possible that I can dig out my boxwood and transplant it now into another spot? They're about 20 inches tall, maybe 2 feet tall um, at the highest. 
and there's I have like six of them. Okay. Are, have they been there a very long time? They've been there a long time. Okay. Uh, it's going to, I would say it would be a kind of a challenge because of the age of the plants. You, if you're going to lose them otherwise, if his, if they're slightly over the property line, for example, and he needs to move his fence over, um, then, uh, you, you may not have a choice. Um, but if you can, I would try to, I don't know what your yard looks like, but I would try to, to move them. I would try not to move them. That's the first thing. But if you have to, I would try to move them as close to where they are right now as possible. So maybe it's moving them a foot closer in your yard, for example, if they're in a long row. Um, just because they're they're clearly growing well if they're that old. And to change the light and change the soil and change the exposure could really hamper their production in the future. So if you can if you're gonna move them, I would move them very little. And uh, and be sure that you've dug a great big hole, and you really have to work hard to dig them out. It's that's that's going to be a tough job to move a twenty year old um, uh, shrub or one that's quite old. So any any shrub, but particularly boxwoods. But I wouldn't change the exposure because they seem to be they sound like they're working out real well right now where they are. Okay, thank you, Cheryl. Uh, Catherine is calling in from Blaine this morning uh, with a question. Catherine, you're on CCO. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Morning. Hi, for taking my call. I'm so happy that I, that you guys are online or on the radio so I can ask questions. Um, one thing that I would like to ask about is I have a baby blue spruce and the spring it had like pine cones on it and now it looks like those pine cones were either bitten off or did they fall off? I don't know. It, it looked like they were taken off somewhere or the other. And I'm just wondering, is there some kind of fertilizer I should be using for that little guy or reasons there? Oh, probably not. They might have been, you know, might be an animal that knocked them off or broke them off or something. I wouldn't worry too much about it. If the rest of the plant is healthy, um, there are fertilizers for conifers, for evergreens, and and they would benefit probably from, you know, from being uh, fertilized uh you know, once a season or so. Um, so you might want to try that. I would fertilize them now or or pretty close into August. You don't want to prompt um, much new growth. Actually, you know, I'm going to take that back. I would wait and fertilize them in the spring uh, just because you don't want to prompt new growth as we go into fall and the weather starts to change. Uh, if, if we do that, sometimes we risk the chance of losing that new growth to colds. I, I think if it's looking healthy otherwise, I wouldn't worry about it. Next spring, maybe give it a dose of some evergreen-specific fertilizer. I know we have to break here in a minute or two, but I know we wanted to follow up on a couple of things. Right. So I just wanted to mention that that now people are seeing these yellowing leaves on their tomatoes, and we have an excellent publication on tomato diseases on our website. So that address is extension.umn.edu. And if you go to plant diseases, you can find uh, information on tomatoes, uh, insects and diseases of tomatoes. And so if you're seeing things and we don't get your question answered or you find it later in the week, you can go ahead and look at that. There's great pictures there. It explains all about blight and leaf spot diseases. And I think we may have misunderstood an earlier caller. We thought the, the gentleman was talking about moss, but we think it was white moths, critters. Animals. Correct. Insects. So those... Uh, those are, are fairly typical in lawns this time of year. Uh, people most often recognize them when they're mowing their lawn. 
for the most part, the adults are completely harmless, the adults being the moths that are flying up as you're mowing. Uh, but they're, the larvae for those are caterpillars, are uh, armyworms, fall armyworms, or sod webworms. And typically those are the worms themselves and the caterpillars in that stage can cause damage to turf, but uh, they're normally not a problem in home lawns. And the adults themselves, they don't cause any problem. You don't really have to worry about them. Uh, and uh, they'll just basically complete their life cycle and be done. Oh, good. I'm glad you guys followed up on that. Appreciate it. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. Call in or text in your question, your lawn and garden question. Six five, the same number, 651-989-9226. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Julie Weisenhorn and John Trappy in studio from the U of M. And uh, we're going to mention that website coming up in just a moment or two. It's a great resource it's great reading on a rainy day, too, or a winter day, or things like that. <laughs> yeah, turn yeah. my mic on. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have so many texts and so many callers. Uh, let's let's get to them. Uh, Shirley in Minnetonka is first up here on the phone, then we'll grab some texts. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning, and thank you. Um, I have a question. The, the mix, the soilless mix that we buy our potted flowers in and hanging baskets, if there, if there are no nutrients in that soil, I have a big pile of that soilless mix. What do I use it for? Uh, so soilless mix is usually used to start seeds. And I think you're referring, a lot of the uh, mixtures that we see now is uh, mostly peat. And uh, and when you do it, when you transplant those plants, uh, then, of course, you would transplant it into something that has a little bit more uh, uh, more soil in it, <laughs> so to speak. Um, I think I understand what you're talking about. It's a very peaty mix that you see some transplants in right now. Um, if you have a pile of it, you know, you can put it in your compost bin, but you can also um, uh, mix it with, uh, say, uh, uh, another type of uh, like a topsoil, a lighter topsoil. Some topsoil is pretty heavy and wet, uh, usually is sitting outside, but you can mix it in with that soilless mix and you can use it for containers. And I would recommend using it for ornamentals, not for vegetables and containers, just because you're not really sure if that's, you know, if it's had any pathogens that might transfer then to, say, a tomato or a pepper plant or something. But you can certainly reuse it, uh, mix in some other, uh, as I said, some other type of soil, and then uh, use it in your containers outside. All right, or Shirley. Or you compost it. Thanks, Shirley. Yeah. Texas says, can I use a little Roundup on stubborn weeds at the base of a huge old tree? What do you think? I think you probably could. So Roundup, uh, meaning the herbicide uh, for the active ingredient glyphosate, uh, you could. I would. I would just recommend make sure if there are is there any sucker growth or any uh, type of uh, leaf uh, leaves or uh, any type of new growth at the base of the tree. I would try to prune those off first just to be safe. But uh, yeah, spot spot treating weeds around a around the base of an old tree is certainly can Pretty be done safe. with that. All right. Uh, here's a text that says, all of these recent storms have caused our hydrangeas to flop over. Are there ways to prevent this in the future? Should we be cutting those back further in the fall or spring so they're not as long? Not necessarily. We've had such a good year for hydrangeas. The flowers are huge and they're just beautiful. Uh, the best thing to do, actually, if you have uh, have them flopping over is, is to put a, uh, a big hoop around them in the spring when they're coming up, like a great big peony hoop, as big a one as you can find, depending on the size of the plant, 
and allow them to grow up through that, and that'll prevent them mechanically from uh, actually flopping over. Again, the uh, phone number and the text number are the same, 651-989-9226. Bunch of text messages as usual, guys, as usual. I read the flowers on hostas are toxic to dogs, so I cut off uh, all of mine. My dogs like to eat them. I have not heard they're toxic, um, so I can't uh, weigh in on that. But, you know, if you're concerned about that with pets, uh, certainly, yeah, go ahead and, and cut those off then. Another texture says, I have had a uh, braided Honeycrisp honey Sweet 16 apple tree for nine years. The tree bloomed for the first few years, has not bloomed again. Do I need to plant another apple tree to pollinate the braided tree? Well, you have two trees that are wound together, a Sweet 16 and a Honeycrisp. Um, and so they should be cross-pollinating just because they're, you know, they should be blooming at uh, at uh, the same time or roughly the same time and, and should cross-pollinate each other. Um, it may be that it's just, you know, braiding trees mm-hmm. together. That's usually something we do with tropicals. I've never seen people do that with a apple tree before. And apple trees, both of these trees are fairly large trees, uh, it may be that uh, you know they they do have years that the flower, that the plants don't bloom as as prolifically as the year before. They kind of alternate. Um, that might be the case. It may be that they're not in a sunny spot. They're not getting enough sun. Uh, it could also be that they need some fertilizer. Maybe if it's in a container, you need to transplant it. Um, so probably uh, looking at kind of the conditions. If the trees are healthy otherwise, then it then it could be one of these other reasons. All right. Uh, Tex says, uh, I have bugs on my potato plants. What do you recommend to use to get rid of them? It depends what the bug is. Oh. How do you find that out? Is <laughs> well, there... you can go to the website uh-huh. uh, and you can go to our to our potato page or you can also go to what insect is this and try to find the insect there. And it's probably a potato beetle or something like that. And then it will give you information on managing those pests. So you even have a potato page. Yes, we do. Actually, we do. But I think you're going to need to go to the insects Ah. page to identify the insect on the potatoes. Very good. Or what's wrong with my plant. And that uh, site is? Extension.umn.edu. Excellent. Uh, Hi, it says, Texter, I have a a cucumber plant in a pot with many blossoms but no fruit. The plant looks healthy. Why aren't there any cucumbers? Well, plants are a little bit behind this year. If you look at the base of the flowers, uh, there are male and female flowers. And if you look at the base of the flowers, you'll see uh, some of them swelling, uh, and those would be the female. That's where the fruit would be developing. So I just was looking at these yesterday uh, with some uh, residential gardeners that I work with over at Lake Minnetonka Shores, and we were looking at uh, uh, cucumber plants. And you can see at the base of the flower the small cucumbers starting to, to develop. So maybe you just haven't seen that. So look a little bit closer. Um, pollination is most important when it comes to a lot of these plants, and increasing that means planting flowers for bees and avoiding any kind of pesticide use. When we were chatting, when you guys first came into the studio, somebody mentioned the phrase state fair, and that's not far ah! away. <laughs> that's that's not far that's away. The second time I screamed today, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be there, of course. Yes, uh, yes. but I, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, John, specifically as far as a turf uh, question. Uh, we're getting into the season, no, of uh, of seeding. Good time for lawn if you need some seeding. And what about aeration? Yeah, that's both of those are uh, uh, great things to bring up. So August fifteenth is typically the window for. Uh, 
for the Twin Cities, uh, Twin Cities area, actually much of Minnesota. So August 15th is the window that you want to start looking at. If you are going to want to overseed or, uh, or try to renovate uh, your lawn, you can, uh, you can start doing that then. I, wouldn't, I would probably stop sometime around late September uh, and not try to seed it any more past that. But the, the aeration, if you do have some compaction or if you're trying to relieve uh, some thatch, uh, doing that in mid to late August would be, uh, would be the optimal time to do that. You know, for once in a while you see folks who are seeding their lawn they're walking through and they're just throwing the seed on the lawn. What's the best method? And Julie, Julie's told us about this many times. But, John, what's the best method for making sure there's some uh, germination there? Okay. So I actually did this in, in my lawn uh, this past spring, and I couldn't believe on how, on how effective it actually was. But I just went out right before. <laughs> uh, yes, as somebody who seeded <laughs> Even you. lots of acres of turf, I was actually surprised. I did actually seed by hand, but I would not recommend doing that uh, just because I didn't have a spreader at hand. Or on hand, but uh, what I would do is uh, there's a, you can use a drop spreader, um, which uh, it, uh, would, is the best way for actually dropping the seed into the area that you would, that you're trying to do that. But you can do that, and in, in if you do if you do it by hand, or if you do it with a drop spreader or a rotary spreader, make sure that you go in multiple directions, and you typically use about half of a rate each direction. But try to time that right before a heavy rainstorm like the one we're getting today. Uh, what you want is you want the rain to push the seed down into the soil for great seed-to-soil contact. That's going to really help with germination. Okay, very good. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Brett, I believe, is calling from uh, Elk River this morning. Uh, Brett, you're on CCO. Good morning. I've got morning. a 14-year-old Japanese tree lilac that's about five, six inches at the base, but the top half of the tree did not leaf or germinate or do anything. Most of the small twigs snap right off. Um, I'm reluctant to go out there and start hacking off the top half of the tree because some of those branches are an inch and a half for two inches. So it, it so go ahead. It didn't leaf out this summer. No, not at all. No. Okay. And there are like little burls, um, almost the size of an acorn, throughout the tree where stems come off of the main trunks or main branches. Okay. I'm not sure about mm-hmm. those, but it sounds to me like the tree has died. And, um, and so it may be, it, it may be that you it just, just have to remove it and replace it with something else. If it hasn't leafed out by now, uh, chances oh, are it's yeah. not going the, to, it's not, it didn't make it. Fully leafed. Oh, the bottom half the fully bottom leafed. Fully leafed and it flowered. Okay. Oh, it did. Okay. I'm sorry. I misunderstood. Um, no. So I think what, you're experiencing is something that we saw a lot this year where uh, where winter kill was really severe on a lot of plants. Um, you can you can use the wait and see uh, tactic, which is one of my favorite <laughs> because I like to give the plant another chance uh, through the next winter. If you see the same thing next year, then you'll have to make a decision about pruning off the dead growth and, uh, and or possibly replacing the tree if it's just not an attractive tree anymore. Okay, very good. Uh, John and Julie will take this quick break. We have more Smart Garden Show straight ahead on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Before we get back to John and Julie and your questions, I want to mention uh, this from the National Weather Service. An area of strong thunderstorms are going to be affecting south-central Chicago, Anoka, southeastern Isanti, Washington, Ramsey, northwestern St. Croix, 
and south-central Polk counties. Uh, Strong thunderstorms at the time, a few minutes ago, uh, clustered over Columbia Heights, moving northeast at 40 miles an hour. Uh, Locations uh, to be aware of St. Paul, Cambridge, Brooklyn Park, Woodbury, Coon Rapids, Blaine, Maplewood, Cottage Grove, Intergrove Heights, Roseville, Andover, and Oakdale. Again, a line of strong thunderstorms occurring right now. In fact, it's very dark and raining here in downtown Minneapolis, maybe where you are as well. The last reported temperature reading, uh, 72. We still are expecting highs near 78 degrees. In the meantime, we have questions to get answered, both by phone and by text. Uh, tell you what, let's go to uh, Mary, who's calling from uh, Princeton, I believe. Mary, good morning. Good morning. I've morning. been listening to your show forever, but <laughs> nobody ever calls in about sweet potato vines. Yeah. I uh, bought some, and uh, they're doing good, but uh, something is eating the leaves. Okay. Can I put seven on that? Well, you don't want to treat it until you know what's eating the leaves. I can't find anything. Okay. So you still, you yeah, we still don't recommend doing any kind of treatment until you do find something. Well, I don't eat the fruit. I mean, it's just a dirt. Right. Yeah. I understand that, but we don't want you treating with something unnecessarily that isn't going to apply to the insect. It could be... It could be in any number of things, and uh, and until you kind of catch it in the act, uh, then you want to, Then you'll be able to decide what it is to treat it with, because you could use seven, and mm-hmm. and it may not be, may not be effective. You know what? I haven't asked you yet. When are the abiders playing? <laughs> uh, we will be out at the arboretum on August eighteenth. We were just there last weekend. We had a beautiful afternoon and really played. I uh, just had we had a bunch of. It was kind of a, a cooperative. We had uh, Andy and Carl and I, and then uh, our uh, our buddy Andy Anda, who plays violin, was there. He mm. showed up, and then our old friend Doug Mulland showed up too. Our old guitar player. So. We had a great time. It was just, it was awesome. So, so the 18th. Thanks. Yeah, the 18th of August, we'll be uh, hopefully repeating that bunch. So All right, very good. We'll remind <laughs> our listeners of that, just ahead of the State Fair. Thanks for asking. Sure enough. Texter says, my delphinium will be done blooming soon. When should I cut them back, or can I just leave them? Uh, you should cut them back. Um, when flowers are finished blooming, they will uh, start to produce, a, put a lot of energy into turning those flower, those dead flower heads into seed. And you want to avoid that unless you're growing the plant for the seed. Uh, most of us are growing these for their ornamental, for the, for the flowers. So you want to cut that uh, seed head off. It's called deadheading. And you just take it down to where leaves start to uh, come off of the stem. So in a case of a delphinium, there's a lot of empty stem and then the flower head. And you would want to bring that down and just take it off right above the leaves. Okay. Uh, Texas says, I have a burr oak in Garrison, Minnesota. It was in full bloom last year. We trimmed the bottom leaves probably about 15 feet up in October last year. Uh, those leaves have all returned. All the upper leaves are wilted or dead looking. Any ideas? They were uh, an overabundance of caterpillars this spring on our deck. Wondering if they could have eaten those leaves. Well, you would see the even from afar, you would see probably chewed leaves. You could use binoculars to look at the top of your tree. When you have a really a mature tree like this, a beautiful Baroque, you really want to call in a, a pro to take a look at that in person and assess the damage. And I would recommend calling a certified arborist. And, uh, and that uh, you can find somebody in, uh, by going to the uh, 
the International Society of Arboriculture website. We have a publication on our extension site called How to Hire a Certified Arborist or How to Hire – I think it's actually called How to Hire a Tree Professional. It's on our Trees and Shrubs page of the Yard and Garden uh, website. And that's extension.umn.edu. And then go to Yard and Garden and then go to Trees and Shrubs. Or just you can just Google that on our site too or just do a search. That's probably faster. And I would have someone come in and take a look at that because that could be a number of different uh, issues with that oak. I don't know if there's other oaks around that have experienced oak wilt. Uh, we don't, you know, it could be that it's just some damage from the caterpillars. It could be storm damage, whatever. But I would call somebody in to take a look at that. Okay. And just speaking of the website, John, there's uh, for those who want to check out, maybe they want to do more lawn work or learn more about their turf. What do, what's the site there? So uh, there is the the normal extension.umn.edu that has some great resources for uh, for consumers, homeowners, um, beginners. Uh, there's also some more advanced uh, information out there at our at our uh, turf webpage. It's turf.umn.edu where we may have a little bit more in-depth material for that, but then also a lot of information for beginners as well. Oh, good. Texter wants to know, uh, I've always wondered, what's the best way to deadhead petunias? Well, a lot of petunias are actually self-deadheading, where they drop their flowers and you just have to clean them up off your deck or from underneath the pot, whatever it might be. Uh, But I would take those, if if you have a type that doesn't do that and it's got a lot of dead flowers Mm -hmm. on it, then I would just snip those off or pinch them off with your fingernail uh, just down to the next set of leaves. You mentioned uh, the uh, Arboretum. I have not been there for a few weeks now. What's going on there? Oh, it's fantastic. I was there yesterday. Um, Lots of the annual flowers at the intersection of uh, the T and the road of uh, uh, Three Mile Drive is amazing. Absolutely beautiful. I hope the hail, if they're getting hail out there, I hope it's not, uh, they're not getting it at the Arboretum. Um, But just beautiful. And the hydrangea trials are uh, incredible. The flowers are just beautiful. Those were two that stood out to me as I was driving around and walking around out there. But there's so many things to see. I mean, the gardens are looking top notch right now. So head out there. And for those folks that don't have never been there, well, give us a quick direction. So you would want to go west on Highway 5, uh, out uh, just past the intersection of Highway 5 and 41, County Road 41. It's out uh, just west of, uh, north of Chaska. It's technically in Chaska, but just uh, west of Chanhassen. And you'll see that big... You'll uh, see the big signs, sign, yeah. And then it's you can just always a Google little it too. West from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, if uh, I want to do some more work on my yard this time of year, what's the best thing to do? Uh Maybe turn off your irrigation system if you have it, or at least uh, install a rain sensor. Uh, otherwise, just let it do its thing. And uh, I would I would hold off on any type of major lawn uh, uh, practices like aerification, uh, um, uh, weed control applications, or fertilizer. I would hold off on all of those until after we get through this major heat stress, August fifteenth or so. And another good advice uh, that you guys give that I follow. Short. I leave it. Oh longer. yeah, yep. that's one of the best things to do. The taller, the better. Makes really a big difference. Good to see you both. It's good to see you too. All right. Thank you. State fair around the corner. Well, we'll talk about that. I know. In a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I we'll love be, the fair. What am I saying? And we'll be back next week with more of Lawn and Garden Talk. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.